Welcome to today's podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have the privilege of speaking to John Maris, Executive Vice President for Claris Glassboards. John, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. I have to say, I'm pretty excited about this. You know, I like talking as a general rule, but when I get to talk about something as cool as what you're doing, I'm going to have a hard time containing my excitement. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance if I fanboy a little too much. No worries. Let's let's start off with your background and your journey up to this point and how you arrived at Claris Glassboards. Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, starting point, I think. I never imagined myself being in the glass business, I can tell you that. When I was introduced uh, to one of the two founders of Claris, so the, the two founders are Robbie White and Jeremy Rincon, a couple of young guys that came from the financial industry. They were working for hedge funds back in 08, 09, and uh, found themselves um, unemployed. The, the CEO of their former company had uh, basically been running a Ponzi scheme uh, out in the, in the Caribbean. And, uh, and overnight, 3,000 employees were laid off. And these two, two buddies from work, you know, they're both in their mid-20s, are sitting around, you know, at a Starbucks trying to figure out what they're going to do. They were both married and, and had young families and basically just trying to figure out how they're going to provide for their families. And, uh, and they decided, you know, listen, we're not going to polish up the resumes. Let's start a business. And they went through kind of a series of, of, uh, of, of kind of business ideas, if you will, over probably a three- or four-week period. And they had remembered having traveling down, traveled down to Columbia as part of their work with this hedge fund that they work for. And, um, and as part of that work, they, they had gone down and this company that they were auditing, uh, for the hedge fund was using just clear glass strapped to, to poles. And they were writing on that and collaborating on it. And these guys, it just kind of dawned on them. We haven't really seen anything like this from an innovation standpoint, uh, back in the U S and the States. And, Whiteboards, which they used all the time in their offices in their in their hedge fund, were always ghosting and standing, always having issues. And so they kind of put those two thoughts together and said, "We're going to start a glass company." And keep in mind, these guys knew nothing about glass, um, but they sold their homes and their cars and their appliances, and they moved in with their in laws, and they actually launched this business eight years ago in Robbie's mom's garage. And uh, and so when I was introduced to this business about three years ago. Uh, I, I was what I was intrigued about. My interest was that I had a mutual friend that knew one of the founders, and he's telling me the story about a business starting in a garage. And it wasn't the glass portion of the business; it wasn't what they did that intrigued me. It was the fact that they had sold everything they had and kind of put it on the line and started a business in a garage. And that was kind of that was kind of a cool story. And so I thought, what do I got to lose? I'd love to meet this guy. And and I wasn't looking for a job. I just thought he'd be a cool guy to know. Well, lo and behold, Robbie and I were introduced. We hit it off. He started hearing about my background. I started hearing more about their company. And two weeks later, I started at Claris, which is about three years ago. So there's two points that you brought up. The first one is saying that you didn't think you were going to work in the glass industry. Looking at the Claris Glassboards website, the the broad range of uses for glassboards I think it's safe to say you are redefining what the quote unquote glass industry is. You're creating a whole new thing. You're not just in glass. So that's the the first point I wanted to, to make. The second point is when you go to the education side of Claris.education and you look at some of the ways that this can be utilized 
to say that this was a company that was created in a garage, when you look at the things that Claris makes, I would have thought that this company was started on the International Space Station because it is absolutely absurd how <laughs> cool Claris glass boards are. Well, you're kind to say that. I'll tell you. Um, you know, when I first was told, hey, you need to meet this guy. He has a glass company. Uh, I, pr- I thought of it the same way that probably you and a lot of our listeners are, are thinking, right? I was thinking about a guy that has a business who's putting doors and sliding glass door, you know, sliding glass doors and windows and things like that uh, in homes or, or in businesses, things like that. And, uh, and when I sat down with Robbie the first time and kind of went through uh, what they had built, I had the exact same reaction that you did when I looked at the website and went, this isn't a glass company. This is, this is a design company. This is a collaboration company. This is an innovative products company. This isn't a glass company. So your reaction is the same one that I had a few years ago when I was introduced to this business. As it pertains to education, um, you're spot on. You know, w- one of the things that I'm just passionate about in general where it, in, and where I found a lot of passion when I, when I joined Claris is I just love the idea of bringing people together. I've always loved training. I've always loved presenting. I've always loved kind of being able to ideate together and, and create, right? Create new ideas, create new products, create new systems or, or processes. And when I came to Claris, what I realized, and, and you're, you're spot on when you say there's just kind of this infinite amount of uses for glass, but what I saw in Claris is that they had kind of bridged the gap or, or crossed the, the, the bridge between standing up and instructing and actually connecting people. And, and that's really at Claris what we're about and why education has, has come on so strong for us in the last two to three years is when you think of, of a whiteboard, you might think of a, a presenter. What we love about our boards is that they connect people. And, and education is one component about that. But think about it. You've got people coming together to do something great. It doesn't matter if it's you know, a, a boss with his employees. It doesn't matter if it's a doctor with his patient or a nurse with, with their patient. It doesn't matter if it's a professor with a student or a teacher with a student. Our boards are all about bringing people together. So when you cross that that bridge to education from maybe corporate or even healthcare, where, which are other verticals that we operate in, you start realizing that in today's world, having a, a product and a means to where professors and students are able to connect and collaborate can be really powerful. And then what you do beyond that is you recognize that this transition from millennials to kind of the Oregon Trail generation, which has kind of morphed into now the Gen Z, you realize that that generation, this Gen Z population, which is now in full force at colleges and universities across the country, that what they demand with regards to their learning habits is completely different than what millennials had. Gen Z's attention span is eight seconds. You have eight seconds to capture their attention and to keep it. If they aren't interested by the end of eight seconds, as a whole, they check out. And not only that, but they demand that they actually participate in the learning piece. So if they're not actually contributing information to the learning process, long gone are the days where the professor stands up in in front of the, the, the room and does a lecture for an hour and a half. Gen Z just doesn't, they're not, they don't accept that. That, that, that doesn't work for them. 
And so what we're seeing is universities start adapting the learning environment to really kind of fit the the new needs of this of this learning environment. So kind of kind of a long-winded passionate explanation there, but hopefully, you know, you guys kind of followed my trail through to to what I'm what I'm describing. Oh no, that was fantastic. And and I agree 100%. I have, you know, high school age kids that they're not really familiar with learning without some sort of uh, collaboration. You know, that that engagement, that collaboration, learning and education really has become a a two-way communication. As you mentioned, it's not a one-way lecture anymore. And I think that changes the way that we as just a society, the way that we view learning, just the basic concept of learning, it's not passive anymore. Well, and, and the way, the, certainly the way we uh, view learning, but also the way that the architectural and design community, which is one that we really appreciate at Claris, really views their responsibility and the way that spaces are being designed to fit that new need. And so where where we've seen you know a lot of growth in education is the design and, and, and architectural community really starting to get engaged with how, how can we meet the needs of of those that are going to occupy these spaces, right? In in the case of of universities, it's students, it's professors. Uh, I've seen some some really cool um, designs and installations of our product and uses kind of use cases across major universities. We're talking, you know, big universities in you know the SEC, the Big Twelve, and Pac twelve, you know, across the country where. They're building out spaces that aren't just boards that are up in front of the room for the professor to stand next to. But as an example, I was just in the classroom in the last couple of weeks where they actually had mounted, they had us custom make privacy screens, modesty panels that actually attached to the front. It was an auditorium style seating. So it was kind of a, a raised seating in kind of a semicircle type, um, type uh, layout. And it had probably 25 rows of desks. So you can imagine this is a lecture hall that probably seats somewhere between 250 and 350 students. And they actually had these glass modesty, modesty panels attached to the front of every single one of the desks. And then they had chairs that had swivel capabilities so that students could actually swivel their chair around and actually write on the back or the front of, of the desk that was behind them and actually collaborate with the students around them so professors could walk up and down the stairs and actually see the work that the students were doing. And then on the back wall, it was fully clad with glass as well, just like the front was, so that students could actually walk up and, and break out into smaller groups and actually do kind of small breakout learning sessions amongst themselves and then kind of get back together as a group as a whole and then discuss the learnings. And so those are the types of spaces that we're really starting to see kind of come out of the woodworks, which is very kind of uh, uh, counter to historical design trends in education, which have really just been that writing surface up in the front with the, you know, with the professor that's just standing up and lecturing for an hour or two. That's a really interesting evolution from the way that we used to educate to the fact that we've learned a new way to educate, which will then lead to the next evolution in learning and educating. That really, that 
insulation you just described almost sounds like a redefinition of the word crowdsourcing. It really is. It turns education into, as you mentioned, a collaborative effort, which can only be a positive, right? Absolutely. And, and, and the reason, one of the reasons at least that, that I believe that it works based on, on our learnings is that more than ever before, we're, we're in a, a kind of just an extreme um, uh, kind of information age right now, right? Gen Z is more connected, right? This is the first generation that was born in the era of, of internet. Right. And so they have this kind of innate assumption, expectation that anything that they want to know anytime, they can go figure it out. They don't need to open up a book. They don't need to go and ask their parents or a mentor. They can just hop on Google and type it in and they're going to get the answers that they need. And so they, they can go find the information. Well, where that translates to the classroom is that students are able to learn kind of self-taught principles and bring those into the learning environment, which make this, make this collaboration that's happening amongst both themselves as well as amongst them with their professors, kind of this, this richer experience because they have so much that they can share. And what that does for the professor is really put this onus where the professor is less of an instructor and actually more of a facilitator. And if you think about it that way, it really changes the way that the, the education and classroom environment really needs to be designed because, again, the professor's not standing up there just as an instructor, but really facilitating and trying to draw out as much knowledge and information. And, you know, I, I obviously am super passionate about this, so I could go on, you know, for hours and hours kind of circling this topic, but you guys kind of get the sense of what, what, I'm, what I'm after, which is that there's more information than ever before. And the way that we put that information together is really where progress happens. That whole concept of accelerating and multiplying knowledge by, some would say, the simple act of installing this sort of Claris environment, but there's nothing simple about it at all. I, I hesitate to ask this final question because it's going to make me sound really dumb, but it won't be the first time, so I'm going to forge right ahead. You don't technically see into the future. You have moved so far to the bleeding edge. You're actually living in the future. So tell me, from where you stand right now, what can the rest of us expect when we catch up to you? What do you see now that you think, oh, this is really cool? So what we hear about a lot, right, and, and, and you guys, you know, have all heard as well, what we're hearing is, you know, that technology is the future and we're seeing so much innovation in digital displays and touchscreen and smart boards and so on and so forth. There's, there's so much buzz around technology and surfaces. We hear that all the time. In fact, people knock down our doors either wanting to pr propose to us that, that we partner with them with their technology surface or, or that we develop something within our product development department. Our philosophy has been, and what, where my belief lies, is that there is power in a pen in your hand, standing up at, at, at a board and putting an idea on your glass board. There's power in putting pen to paper and collaborating 
and creating with your own hand versus the technology, the touch screens, the, you know, the, the, the technological surfaces and so on and so forth. Where we have decided to live and that we're, where we're very committed is in recognizing that the, our innovation with our particular product line and our role in kind of this evolution of design is around taking and developing better technology in the way that our surfaces perform so that they stand the test of time. You know, the one thing we know about technology is that it doesn't last very long before it's, before it's obsolete, right? The iPhone 1 doesn't even work probably in today's, in today's day and age because of the, the amount of storage and speed that's required for even the most basic app. And yet, uh, you know, you got a glass board that will literally last the life of the wall. So what we tend to believe here is that our products are designed to stand the test of time. And I don't think my expectation is while technology will continue to impact our lives and, and play a major role in kind of our development and ability to access information and even share information, that when it comes to collaborating, when it comes to creating, when it comes to ideating, that there will always be an element where, where people stand together and share ideas with a pen in their hand. Uh, that, that's something that we're very passionate about. And what we've chosen to do is then take and build our products around the technological innovations. For instance, you've probably you know, seen some of our products and, and, and some of the listeners may have as well, but we have a, a, a beautiful mobile glass board. It's basically a, a marker board on wheels. We've, we've probably all seen those, whether it's a, a whiteboard, a traditional whiteboard or a glass board. But one of the products that we're working on right now actually integrates a TV monitor into our mobile board. So it's, it's leveraging technology, but we're not the arm behind the technology itself. The monitors, right, are being produced by some of the greatest technology companies in the world, but we're taking those and integrating them in to make them a part of that collaboration process. And so that, that's kind of where I see things going. Um, it's, it's what we're very excited about and, and, and kind of look forward to in the future. And that brings us back around to where we started. The fact that you are not locking yourself into just a technology space. You are in a much larger, a much grander creative and design space, which I think is the purest sort of purpose for what you are doing at Claris. John, I want to say thank you so much. Today I have been talking to John Maris, the Executive Vice President for Claris Glassboards. John, thanks again. I really do appreciate you taking the time for us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Sounds great. You as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.